This podcast is rated G for general audiences, all ages admitted. You're listening to Bearcast by ASF. Now, let's take a look at another aspect that shaped our childhood as Gen Zers, technology and how it shaped our perception of modernity and society. Let's welcome our very last speaker, Mateo Felix. I always thought the world was perfect. I mean, I grew up alongside technology, constantly marveling at its ever-growing advancements. The iPhone came out when I was two. I remember walking into stores and seeing 3D printers when I was seven, and I first immersed myself into virtual reality when I was 11. To me, with each invention, with each innovation, we inched closer and closer to the utopian science fiction novels that I absolutely loved reading about in elementary school. It seemed a miracle, but it turns out it wasn't and it's not. This is the lie of modernity. I think there's a common misconception in our society that just because something is modern and new, that it is also good. We've learned to associate the value of something to its modernity. For example, take a look at this picture of New York and its glimmering skyscrapers. How does it compare to this agricultural village in Zambia? Is one worth more than the other? Instinctively, we think that because the people of New York have more modern lives, that they also have better ones. But what is it that has the power to make living our lives great? When we take a step back, we realize that it's not our phones, it's not our cars, it's not our TVs, it's not our computers, but it's our happiness. Living those happy moments or living with a general sense of content is what makes living life worth it. So if we take happiness as this central part of our lives, then why are we choosing a path that distracts from such happiness? We're headed towards a future where material goods surpass the value of our own humanity, and it's time to consider how healthy a future that really is. Society's technological progress has been incredibly disproportionate to its sociocultural progress. What am I trying to say here? While technology has improved exponentially in such a short span of years, basic social issues that have no place in our current society still manage to exist. For example, it completely baffles me how we produce enough food to feed over 10 billion people every day, yet 3.1 million children die of starvation each year. You'd think that since we have the means to feed the entire world population, that we'd prioritize doing so. Another example, right now we have the technology to be running completely on renewable energy. But since it's not the priority of governments and it's definitely not the priority of corporations, we're not taking the necessary steps in solving and mitigating this global crisis. We developed the technology to ruin the world and now we have the technology to fix it. So why don't we use it? As a society, 
we've been thinking of technology in the wrong sense. For consumers, it's something to depend on. It started off as this tool to help make our lives easier, but it's become this necessity, something we require to live our day-to-day -day lives. For producers, above all, technology is something to generate profit. So instead of using technology to create a positive change within our world, more often than not, it's being used to fuel this endless cycle of consumption. Now, in this era of modernization, we haven't only seen the rise of technology, but also the rise of consumerism. I see this in two main ways. First, accessibility. Because of technology, consumption is completely available to us at all times. Right now, I can take out my phone and go on Amazon and get anything I desire. Consumption isn't limited to anymore. It's something that's available to us at all times. Secondly, exposure. Because we spend so much time online, we spend so much time looking at advertisements, at influencers, and even family and friends that promote and encourage this consumerist lifestyle. Now, when I was thinking about doing this, I wanted to talk about imperialism, about globalization, about the nature of social constructs and how all of these different concepts tie in to modernity. But frankly, I don't think anyone would pay much attention to my, to my rants, endless rants about Imperial Europe. So today, I'm here to talk about you and how you are affected by our society's obsession with modernity. One of the main things is identity. Our modern economy runs on consumption, and since the goal of that economy is to produce as much money possible, whether that's really necessary or not, this blurs the line between overconsumption and regular consumption. Now, because consumption starts to take such an important part in our lives, it too can become a central part in our identities. Think about your own identity for a second. What image do you portray to the outside world? For most of us, it's based on the material. The image we portray to others is the brands we wear and the brands we use. We can see this every day with the identities we have created to go alongside technology. For example, are you a Spotify or Apple Music person? Are you Apple or Samsung? Are you PS5 or Xbox? The power to consume more and more, as well as the power to have a choice over what we consume, has become interrelated to our own identities, even though who I am as a person has nothing to do with whether I own an iPhone or not. Now, what happens because of this? Our identity starts to become less about who we are and more about what we buy. So things such as self-esteem and self-worth start to become about our ability to consume, which is extremely dangerous, because these are things that should be personal to you. It can come from experiences, from values, from beliefs, and from your goals in life. For example, if I base my identity on helping others, on loving others, and in being creative, I create an environment for myself where I motivate and encourage myself to become a better person. 
On the other hand, if I base my identity on the material, on wealth, or on the products I use, then my identity starts to be defined by things outside of my own control, by things that are external to myself. Even worse, when we start to internalize this idea that what we need in order to be ourselves and to feel better is to consume more, it starts this dangerous and never-ending cycle of consumption, always hungry for more and more. Now, as intuitive and logical and basically common sense as all of this sounds, not a lot of people think this way. We have an entire generation of kids, including myself, who grew up with this idea that buying, that consuming, that the brands we wear and use is what gives you value. So we grew up with these materialistic ideas that our value as a person comes from our ability to consume. Now, we see, of course, that as materialism gets higher, our self-esteem is harmed. And it isn't just some random kid on a stage telling you this, but many psychology studies, too, conclude that there is this inverse relationship between materialism and self-esteem. Basically, the higher the materialism, the lower the self-esteem. Isikin and Ropper, a psychology study, for example, found that self-esteem has been commodified. They tested 100 teens to see how consumerism, especially in fashion, affects their social lives. To no one's surprise, they found that almost all teens answered that following trends in fashion and keeping up with the right brands to use was an essential part in belonging, in being socially accepted, and in making friends. And it doesn't take some fancy psychology study to realize this. By walking outside and looking at our own community, you'll realize that people are using the same brands, that we're wearing the same brands, because we fear that a failure to keep up with consumption will also be a failure to keep up, to be accepted. To me, it makes perfect sense. We are constantly bombarded by advertisements meant to exploit our insecurities. We have beauty and skin companies telling us that without their miraculous new creams, you are not enough. You have fashion companies telling you that without their trendy new clothes, you are not enough. And hearing it all the time from all these different angles, we start to believe it. You are not enough. You are not enough. Our society, based on consumer culture, is inherently exploitative of us. And it's time to recognize this. Now, I'm not suggesting we switch up our entire culture, because I know that's unrealistic. But I'm trying to warn you of the traps within our contemporary society and what we can do to recognize and avoid them. With this year's TEDx theme being hide-and-seek, I've established some problems within our modern society. But what solutions are hiding from us, and how can we seek them out? I sought solutions in the most unexpected places. I thought, this is a problem within our modern society. So why don't I look at societies and communities that are traditionally viewed as non-modern to see if the same problem exists. 
So I studied and researched about indigenous societies, about pre-colonial societies, to see how their relationship to modernity and to technology and consumption might differ. My findings can be summed up by this quote by Sylvie Poirier. The aboriginal person is not thought to be individual, that is, an indivisible and bounded unity, but is seen rather as a composite of intrinsic and reciprocal relationships among people. Places and ancestors. The person, human and non-human in short, is a node within a nexus of relationships. These relationships are intrinsic rather than extrinsic and account for the individual and divisible quality of the person. Now, what does this all mean? In our current society, we have individualistic values. Here, the individual has the goal to reach this ultimate and higher level of wealth and success, basically the American dream. And when we reach this level of success and wealth, we gain happiness. But is this really true? Does money equal happiness? Another factor of individualism is competition. We have to rise above the competition in order to be better than everyone else and to gain this level of success. And we can see this as early on as in our education systems, where we're constantly pushed to get the best grades of the class, to be the president of the most clubs. We have to be better than our own communities rather than focusing on making our communities better. How does this look different in some indigenous societies that have a more collectivist approach? As the quote said, in these societies, the individual is more than an individual. The person is this beautiful system of connections and relationships to communities and to the outside world. So our purpose, instead of coming from wealth and from success, comes from our role within our community. Instead of the me versus the world system that we can see in individualism, we have a me in the world mindset, where we focus more on the individual's role in a community and in a group. Now, what can we learn from this? We learn that we don't have to justify our existence or our worth through consumption, through success, through wealth. Our worth is intrinsic to us, and it comes from simply forming part of this world and forming part of a group. I wish I had heard this all half a year ago when I was in the middle of quarantine spending countless hours on my phone every day. I saw that who I was started to become an echo of all the media I consumed online. I saw my personality, my humor, and even some of my beliefs start to become a reflection of everything I was seeing on social media. That's why I was so passionate to start this topic not only to inform others and to talk about this important issue, but to save my own identity. So before I end, I'm leaving you all with a little bit of homework. Sorry. I want you to question your relationship to technology. I want you to question your relationship to consumption. Because once we question this glorified modernity that has been engraved into our minds, we take the first step 
in fundamentally changing how we view ourselves forever. Thank you.